to share. Take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of First Peter. This month we have been uh, looking at uh, Peter's advice to the exiles, to those who uh, had uh, scattered from Jerusalem because of uh, the Christian persecution and uh, were now living in uh, all types of cities. Uh, the majority of the places they would have been living across Asia uh, were, um, were, were pagan cities. Well, not even the majority. All the places they would have been living uh, would have been pagan cities where uh, almost all of them had uh, some temple, some idol uh, to a uh, foreign god, uh, some uh, odd worship, uh, and uh, were practicing it uh, and were not very receptive uh, to their new Christian neighbors. And, uh, and so they were, uh, again, living in that kind of environment. Uh, again, they weren't, uh, Peter keeps using the phrase, he's going to use it again uh, in our passage today, uh, and uh, of calling them sojourners and exiles or pilgrims and uh, describes them uh, in that manner. They weren't under uh, arrest. Uh, they were just uh, unpopular. Uh, they were uh, the minority. Uh, and so that's why this, uh, this letter is so relevant uh, for us today. What Peter is uh, telling them, and it's such a dramatic change for us today, for Christians today. Uh, most everyone in this room uh, is, uh, many of you are you're old enough, uh, and you don't have to be very old uh, for that, uh, to remember a time when uh, Christianity was uh, the key the main influence uh, on society. Uh, that whether we're talking about laws being passed or uh, whether it was the local uh, sports league putting together their, their baseball schedule. They would uh, avoid uh, scheduling games on Wednesday nights and Sundays and wouldn't practice uh, on those days. We, the church uh, had a, a major uh, impact and influence uh, on even those who weren't Christians. They would uh, typically uh, defer, uh, even, even if they weren't Christians or church-going people, uh, they would uh, still uh, defer uh, and, and make their decisions and plans uh, around what the church thought of things. We don't live in that world anymore. Uh, we're not even close to that world. That, that's it, not even in the next neighborhood over. Uh, we live in a world today uh, where Christianity and the church has been uh, largely pushed to the side, uh, where we have little of any influence uh, on, our, on our culture. Part of that's our fault. Uh, things you need to be doing anyway. Don't give up hope. Don't quit. Uh, but change your methods. Uh, what it boils down to in a simple uh, statement for us is today, uh, Christians in America, uh, basically we have to adopt the mindset uh, and the lifestyle of the missionaries that we send overseas. Uh, because they're going into that same type of culture where they are the minority, uh, sometimes even the only Christian in the village. Uh, and so they don't have much, uh, uh, much authority uh, on the culture. Uh, and so they have to do things differently. 
And, uh, and honestly, uh, that, that's one of the things that really has kind of brought this uh, to, the, uh, to, to the front of my thinking, uh, is talking with and reading uh, some from, again, missionaries who had been on the field uh, for a number of years who have come back to America, uh, and after being gone for so long, they come back and they're like, the plane land in the wrong country. Uh, you know, this just doesn't seem like, you know, what happened to America while I was gone? Uh, and that we have to, we basically have to treat our own country now uh, as a foreign mission field uh, and live differently. The passage we're going to look at today uh, kind of is a catch-all. Peter uh, kind of uh, looks uh, just in general uh, how we should act. He's talked about uh, that we should have hope, uh, fear, uh, those things. And now uh, he's told us, we looked at last week, uh, about uh, sharing the gospel anyway. Uh, that regardless, uh, we may be in the minority, uh, but we don't stop. Uh, sharing the gospel, uh, just again as a, a foreign missionary would do uh, in a foreign country. And they share it differently, uh, but they share the gospel nonetheless. And in this passage, uh, Peter uh, again is going to uh, speak to that, uh, that issue. Uh, if you want to look with me in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 11, uh, we, uh, we see again he uses this phrase, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Uh, this again is the, the second time uh, that he's used that. Uh, he opened the book uh, in chapter 1 calling us exiles, sojourners uh, in our own land. Uh, and, and again, the, the, the quicker I think we get that, uh, that mindset, the quicker we get that through our heads that we are, we are sojourners, we're exiles. Uh, in, in this world today. Uh, we're just, uh, we're on the outside looking in. Uh, and we, we, the sooner we understand that, the sooner we again begin to change uh, our way of living and, and representing Christ uh, to be more effective. Uh, he says, I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your Conduct, And that's really the word I want us to focus on this morning. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, how many of you in here are old enough? I don't think they do this anymore. Uh, that uh, on your report cards when you were younger, you had to know your reading grade, your spelling grade, and all those. And, and there was a conduct grade. Any of you ever, you remember getting a conduct grade? Any of you ever failed? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I can remember, you know, getting, just to tell on myself here for a minute, uh, getting in trouble for that. Uh, when I first started school, uh, they, they changed later on the conduct. You'd get an S or an N or a U. Uh, you remember those letters? Satisfactory, not satisfactory, or unsatisfactory, or needs improvement, excuse me. Satisfactory, needs improvement, unsatisfactory. When I started school, uh, you actually got an A, B, C, or D. Uh, I mean, they gave you a letter grade on conduct. And I can remember coming home with all A's. Except conduct. Uh, and I can remember getting fussed at and told, if you can do the work, you can sit there and keep your mouth shut. And knock in. Uh, no, I can't. I, that just don't work. 
uh, error. Uh, and, and being told, I never tried this. I should have tried this in hindsight. I remember being told, I bet you come home with bad grades and, and, and sit there and be quiet. I should have tried that one time to see what the, how that worked. Uh, but uh, Peter says, we need to be getting an S, a satisfactory, in our conduct. Keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's talk about for a moment what Peter means when he tells us to keep our conduct honorable. I kind of feel like a school teacher this morning. Maybe, Suzanne, maybe I should just let you stand up and talk about conduct. Uh, anyway, keep your conduct honorable. Uh, as we look at that, I think the first thing we need to do is, is again, is to back up. And, and, and I know I've stressed this and talked about this uh, for five weeks now, but that's because Peter has. Uh, Peter starts this uh, with three words that, uh, that I want you to pay close attention to. Uh, obviously, two of those words are sojourners and exiles. He again reminds us uh, of this point. And again, as I said a moment ago, it's so important for us uh, today to understand that and, and, and recognize that as Christians, Christianity uh, is not the major player uh, in our society. There is no one in this room uh, that uh, I can imagine that you don't know that, for example, the homosexual agenda has far more influence uh, on our country, on the laws that are passed, on the decisions that are made, than the Christian agenda, uh, among others. And there are so many things that uh, Christianity uh, has just been pushed down the scale. I'm not saying we have no influence. I'm saying we are nowhere near uh, the impact on our culture uh, that we one time had. And so Peter reminds us again, you are a sojourner and you are an exile in this land. And again, sojourner. Another word we use very often, but it simply means a stranger. We're a stranger in this land. This land is not our home. We're just passing through this land. Uh, again, just as these uh, Christian Jews were, uh, they weren't home uh, in Ephesus. That wasn't where uh, their home was. Their home was Jerusalem. And they had been forced out of Jerusalem and forced uh, to scatter across Asia. And so they were strangers in the land. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, it, uh, you know, if any of you have ever been in that situation where perhaps you moved uh, a long distance away from, from home into another area, particularly uh, if you move, for example, from the south to the north or, or from the north to the south and, and you arrive and it's a whole different culture. You, you, know, you arrive and you, know, you arrive from up north and, and we're eating grits and drinking sweet tea and you know, those kinds of things. And, and it's just a different culture and uh, you know, I have uh, I've been in restaurants before. Uh, if you go to Florida, you know, if you go up north to Florida, uh, you know, I remember uh, one time I was there and I was uh, walking in a I walked in a uh, in a, a restaurant. Uh, uh, I believe it was a McDonald's, if I remember right. And I walked in the restaurant and I ordered a country ham biscuit and a cheer wine. Now this would have been. 35, 
40 years ago at least, probably 50 years ago maybe, no, I wasn't like that long, 40 years ago at least, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 years ago. And I walked in that restaurant and I ordered a cup of ham biscuit and a cheer wine. And a young lady at the counter looked at me like I had three heads. We don't have biscuits. And she said it like it was a baby word. And I said, what do you have? She says, muffins. Muffins. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking blueberry muffins. Muffins. And I don't know any better. I don't know what it's going to be, but I said, well, I'll give you one of them. Country ham muffins. She looked at me and said, we don't have country ham. Well, what do you got? She said, we have ham. I didn't know no better. Well, put it on there. I said, all right, give me a ham muffin and a cheer wine. Oh, she really got cock-eyed then. A what? Cheer wine. We don't have whatever that is. What do you have? Well, thankfully, I did recognize the drinks. I don't remember if it was Pepsi, Coke, what it was, but I did recognize them. She wraps that junk up, puts it in a bag, and I get out of my car, and I open it up, and I got a big wad of city ham crammed on an English muffins. <laughs> Let me tell you about them English muffins. They make wonderful frisbees when you're going down the road at 60 miles an hour. The ham was tolerable, but them muffins took a flight. I wasn't in my, I, I, I wasn't at home anymore. So the next day I went to eat breakfast, I learned. Yeah. I'll go, so, go somewhere I, and I'll ask them what they got. I won't walk in making an idiot of myself anymore. I'll go in and I'll check out the menu ahead of time before I open my mouth. Why? Because I wasn't at home anymore. I was a stranger in Juneau, Florida. Jupiter, Florida, excuse me. I was a stranger in Jupiter, Florida. I didn't recognize much about it. You know, it was so strange. I got pulled over one day in, in, in Jupiter, Florida. A guy pulled, top, pulled me over and said, just check it on you. I can tell you wasn't from here. Now, I don't know how he could tell by the way I drove. You know, I, you know, but somehow or another, he decided I wasn't from there. Peter reminds us that even right here where many of you were born, you have lived your whole life as a Christian, you're a stranger. You might as well be ordering country ham in Jupiter, Florida. You're a stranger. Your ways are strange. You don't do the things that this world does, or you shouldn't. You should be living differently. You should have a different outlook. You should have a different demeanor. You should have a different vocabulary. Peter says, you are a stranger in this land. Never forget it. Never forget that you are a stranger in this land. You're, you're someone. Let the word, that, that the Greek word that is used there means you're someone uh, who dwells alongside others. I, most of us, I doubt if there's a person in this room who has Christian 
neighbors on both sides. You may have one, but you, there's very few in this room who have Christian neighbors on both sides. There are very few of you, if any, who work, who are still in the workforce, who work at a place where the majority of people you work with are Christian. When they plan their Christmas parties, when they plan their gatherings, they, they plan them in places that as a Christian, they plan things that as Christians we don't agree with because we are strangers. I don't tell it very often, but, but, but I, one, one of the things, I, 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 I'm very proud of my wife. She works in a place that if they plant a gathering, they plant it somewhere where they, they make sure it serves alcohol. And she tells them, I'm not coming. Most of us, we've got to remember that's the environment. We forget that sometimes. And Peter reminds us here, we're strangers. Again, it's the picture of a foreigner who's living in a land for a while. Yeah. And, and, and it's, honestly, it should be getting easier for a Christian to recognize that. Again, when I was in, in, in Jupiter, Florida 30 years ago, it was easy to get a little confused because for the most part, then people looked like me. The McDonald's had the same golden arches they had here. You know, Burger King had the same crown they got here. You know, it, it was the same thing, but more or less. Now, 19 years ago, when we were in China, I didn't have any problem recognizing I was a stranger. You know, I couldn't even talk to them. You know, gave me a new sympathy for the immigrants because you know, when I was the one taking the picture me and you were going yeah I want that when I was the one sitting at the table they bring something out and put it down and, what's that now take it back And it's getting much easier for us to understand we're, 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 we're not the majority because the world's going further and further the other direction. Peter says, never forget, you are a stranger. You're, you're, the, the, the word it implies someone who is renting a home. You just stand there for a while. Listen, we have to understand that. He's a stranger in a land. When Peter's saying this, again, the believer's a stranger, he's a foreigner. He's a resident, but he's not a citizen. He's a resident, but he's not a citizen. We can never forget that. We can never put that aside. The word exile has the idea of being a pilgrim. In fact, some translations translate it that way. Instead of translating it as exile, they translate it as a pilgrim, a traveler. We, we understand that word. And, and, and he says, the, 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 the temporary, the, 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 the word again, it's even, that word is even more temporary than, than being a stranger, being a sojourner. We're, we're temporary here. We, you know, we, we're staying for a while, but we don't even rent a house. You know, sojourner uh, implies renting a house. Exile means we're not even staying long enough to rent the house. We're just going to get a hotel room for the night. 
We're just staying for a while. Again, the point is this, that believers are just passing through this earth. We're just passing through this life. We're not planning on staying. It's not our home, our heart, our mind is focused on another place. Can't ever forget that. We can't ever set that aside. Again, a pilgrim is one who's going home. It's not. This isn't home. He's going home. He has to remember that. And because of that, we see he gives us. Because we remember that, he says, "Here's my plea." Let me back up to that passage. I really wasn't planning on focusing on this word too much, but let me focus on that other word. The opening word, he calls us sojourners and exiles. But look at the first word in that verse. First word in that verse is what? Beloved. I may be a stranger, and I may be, you may be hated, you may be despised, you may not have much influence, you may not like what's going on, but he says, remember this, even as exiles, you are beloved. You are a child of a king. You, you, may not, you may not have a popularity contest here, but remember this. Make your decisions like you are loved. He says, here it is. Here's the plea. Here's what Peter begs, begs of Christians living in exile. He says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul, and keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. What does he mean when he says, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul? Keep your conduct honorable. The word abstain. It's not a word that most of us use. But it simply means that we are to hold oneself from. To hold oneself from. To hold ourselves from the passions of the flesh. Hold yourself back. Hope. You, ever, you ever seen maybe on the playground a, a fight about to break out and, and, and a couple people grab one of them and, and, and hold them back? And what I've noticed over the years, some of you guys, I know you girls don't do that, but some of you guys, on, you probably remember this, the one being held back still was grateful for his friends holding him back. Yeah. Hold me back. You, know, you see somebody getting ready to get a fight. Every time the hold me back. Why you want to be held back? I thought you wanted to fight. Go. Yeah. Hold. That's the picture that, that Peter is giving us here. That is our responsibility. It's not. It's not CD's responsibility to hold me back. It's not Ted. It's my responsibility. Hold yourself back from those things that don't represent Christ. If you've ever been in that situation where you were being, not, not if, when you were in that situation where you were being tempted, you, and, and, and you're having to kind of, you, you know what that feeling is, you're kind of like, you know, having to hold yourself back. That cashier, that server at the restaurant, does you wrong, says something hateful, and part of you is wanting to bite their head off. 
Here's wanting to chew them up and spit them out. But inside, you got to hold back. You ever been there? That's what Peter says. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me like that's a pretty common battle. Pretty much daily. That somebody, something, makes me have to hold myself back. Because I want to respond. I want to react. That's my fleshly desire. That's the passion of the flesh. What Peter's talking about. You ever, maybe a, a, another example of, to help understand it. You ever been trying to lose weight? And you know there's cookies in the cabinet? And something in you, that passion of the flesh, wants a cookie? But you're having to hold yourself back and eat a banana? That's what Peter's talking about. All kinds of passions of the flesh. All types of passions of the flesh. Lust, greed, you name it. Peter says as Christians we have to hold ourselves back. We have to abstain from those things. And understand what Peter has. We have to understand what he's saying when he says we abstain from the passions of the flesh. He uses this phrase, Quite often, he uses it again in the first chapter when he says, Obedient as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't act like you used to act. Don't act. Don't do the things that you used to do. Don't, don't conform to those things. He describes those passages. If you go on in that verse, if you continue to read there, he, he goes on if we kind of reach beyond our text here in chapter 2 and look at some other things Peter read uh, to, to really uh, catch it again. We have to remember, he says, I urge you. I'm begging you. If you want to have an influence, if you want to have an impact on our society, you're probably not going to get elected mayor and have much influence as a Christian. But as a believer, as an exile, if Peter was, uh, again, living today, I think we'd be able to hear the urgency, the emotion in his voice. He says, my beloved, I beg you. I think there might even be tears running down his face. I plead with you. I urge you. As you live in this wicked and rotten world, I beg you. Get on my hands and knees and plead with you. Conduct yourself differently. Why? <laughs> you, you look at some of the words that he uses, and, and they're military, they're, they're warlike, because these things say, wage war against your soul, and they do damage. To your testimony. Conduct yourself uh, according to the Word of God. Consistently abstain from those fleshly lusts. 
those natural desires that are part of the human life. Again, greed, sex, all those things that, that are out there. But if we're not careful, Peter says, you'll get caught up in your fleshly desires. Hold yourself back from those things. Avoid those things. Dodge those things. If we're going to be a genuine follower of Christ, Peter is saying, the world is watching. The world is watching. We have to live honest lives, he says. We conduct ourselves. The word honest, what does it mean to conduct ourselves and be honest. We live the good life, a life that is honorable, righteous, pure, holy. All those adjectives that you know of. Righteous, pure, holy, good, honest, excellent, upright. All those Bible words. That's what he means in one sentence. One word when he says that we live honorably. It means a, a life without blame. We see that in his next in his next statement when, when he says to us, he says, live a life, live your life so honorably that if somebody speaks bad of you, if the evildoers try to speak bad of you, that even those who are not believers look at your life and say, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I've known him for 20 years. No way he would have done that. No way she would have been involved in that. You know, all of us, we see the news. We, we hear things come out. And we see people be accused of things. And let's be honest. Many, if not most of the time, when we hear Mr. So-and-so has been accused of so-and-so, I, I won't even fill in the blanks. We hear it, we see it, and honestly, truthfully, we're not even shocked. Right? A lot of times when those things are announced, we the thought runs through our mind, well, I can't believe they just now caught it. Peter says, a life that is conducted honorably. If they put your picture on the front page of the newspaper tomorrow, if they run you across the new television news this evening, the people who know you, the people who, again, somebody's not going to believe anything they say, but those who know you are going to say, no way that's true. No way that's possible. Wouldn't happen. We mentioned her birthday a minute ago. If the front page of the paper tomorrow says Pansy robbed the liquor store. Say that you ask. It's not even believable. Not, not even, not for a moment. Nothing about that seems possible. Those of you who have been around here for a while, if the front page of the paper would have come out, Wallace Halsey in big fight on Town Square. Must be another Wallace Halsey in town. 
Itu pun anu. That's what Peter is saying. We should hold ourselves back, guard our conduct, so that even if we are accused of something, I'll say it, if they showed me a picture of Pansy in the liquor store with the pistol, I'd tell them it was Photoshop. Pansy, please don't rob the liquor store and make me look bad. If you go and take your wallet, don't take your pistol, okay? That's how much confidence I have in our walk. I, I've watched her for almost 30 years now. His head's nodding all over this room. You know what I'm talking about. That's what Peter is saying, that our lives should be of such a conduct that even when we're accused, anybody who knows us goes, you got the wrong fellow. You've got the wrong person. We all should know that the world is watching everybody who claims to be a believer to see if what they got is real. To see if they'll live that kind of life. Why does Peter want us to do that? There's two reasons. Look what he says. He gives us the purpose. When he tells us here in this passage in verse 12, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now notice what he says there. He says that so that when they speak, not if they speak, when they speak, unbelievers are going to speak against believers. You're an exile. You're a sojourner. You're a pilgrim. You're a stranger. Peter says, when they do that, not if, but when they do, we are going, our life again should be the such that when they ridicule, when they joke about, when they abuse, Believers that the believer can't do anything that adds fuel to the fire. We can't do anything that causes the world to, to, to agree with it. Why? So that in the day of visitation, in other words, the day of visitation simply means when, when, when their day comes, when their that they have an opportunity to be saved. We are to conduct ourselves honorably so that those who don't know Christ can't point to you, to me, and say, I would have accepted. Wouldn't it be horrible one day to stand before God and hear somebody say, well, I would have accepted Christ, but I saw so-and-so who said they were a Christian and did this, this, or this. I don't want to be that person. I want to conduct myself honorably, live for Christ, do good works, so that the people who watch my life will see Jesus. 
conduct ourselves honorably. Some of you may be saying, well, Jimmy, you haven't really given us too many any examples of what it means to conduct yourself honorably. Well, I did that for a reason. Because if I only listed four things and said, do this, 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 I'd miss something. And you'd use that as an excuse to go do it. We have the Word of God, but more importantly, as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and just as you know when you're on a diet, that is not a diet oatmeal cookie. You don't have to look at the nutrition labels to know The Holy Spirit working in us tells us, hold yourself back. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It convicts, it guides, He leads us so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. I hope you understand that we can bring back Billy Graham, Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, Charles Finley, Ian Bounds, E.V. Hill, Adrian Rogers. We can bring back every one of those great men of God that have blessed us. Being great warriors and great spokesmen for the kingdom of God. And we can have one big meeting and all of them preach. And everything they preach and everything they proclaim can be undone by one act of a foolish Christian. Those great men and all the ones that have followed and many that I didn't mention could preach 24-7, round the clock. We could broadcast it. We could send tapes, recordings, and every bit of it be wiped away by the foolish actions, the bad conduct of one of their companions at work. You curse out a co-worker and the preacher can preach with tears in his eyes till his voice is gone. And which one has the bigger impact? You can come through that cashier's line and tell them about how good Jesus is in the grace of God and not have the impact on that person that one did. Many of you will leave this place today and you'll go sit out in a restaurant. And how you treat that server, how you tip that server, can do more damage than I can out-preach in a lifetime. 
conduct yourself in front of the Gentiles, in front of the laws, honorably. Represent Christ well. I wonder how differently our actions would be if as Christians we had to hang a sign around our neck that said, I am a Christian. I'm afraid for some it would make much difference. I don't know about you, but I've gotten some ugly hand gestures by people with I love Jesus tags on their car. Conduct yourself with honor. You may be the minority, but we conduct ourselves honorably so that the evildoers will see our good, good deeds and glorify God. We can build all the churches, all the monuments, we can pass out tracts, we can give away Bibles, we can build gospel. Television stations, radio stations, take out big billboards beside the road, put bumper stickers on our cars, and every bit of it can be undone by one foolish act. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. invite you today as we sing our hymn of invitation to come to kneel at this altar and pray and ask God, Lord help me hold back help me abstain help me to conduct myself honorably in every situation so that the lost will see my good deeds and glorify God. Do not let me be a stumbling block, a hindrance to anybody seeing Jesus. You're here today and you don't know Christ. You've never asked Him into your heart you're a good person. You're sitting in church this morning. But the truth is, people can't see Christ in you because He's not there. You need to come this morning and ask Him into your heart. He's dealing with you, and you need to know Him personally. I invite you to come, Christians. As we fall on our face together before God this morning, praying that as a church, as individuals, we conduct ourselves with honor. Father, we thank you this morning for your work. What I ask you today is that you'll move in our midst, you'll stir us, God, you'll break us. God, we'll leave this place committed, determined, to conduct ourselves with honor, even as next time. Our hearts, Lord, because when it doesn't know Christ, 
with us online or in this room. Today would be the day of salvation. God, bring us to this all. We commit ourselves, conducting ourselves on It's in Jesus' name I pray. Jesus name I pray.